welcome and thank you for tuning in to the Grace Assembly of God Sermon Podcast. Grace exists to help people discover a life of purpose in Jesus Christ through discipleship and serving one another. If you would like additional information, visit us online at www.graceofbelair.com. Again, thank you for joining us and enjoy this week's message. make a shout out because I told my dad I would give him a shout out who's in Canada right now. Uh, But love you, dad. And, uh, you know, even watching that video, it says dad who orders pizza. That was like our thing. We would order pizza when my mom and my sisters were out. So it was a great time. Uh, But love you, dad. And love you, new dad. So if you're listening to this, awesome. So, um, so yeah, last thing. Okay, so uh, since it's Father's Day, what we're doing is that we are giving you dads donuts the size of your face, which they really are the size of your face, okay? So it's out in the lobby. You'll see them there in boxes. And also dad's root beer, okay? So really cool, nice treat. We do it every year because, guys, we like we like the same thing, right? Once we find something good, we stick with it. Um, and you'll have something to nibble on throughout the whole week. Or if you're like me, I mean, I'll eat it in one day. And I've, you know, this was my wedding suit, actually, which I can almost not button anymore. So got to get back on the grind there. So, uh, and then also Summer Splash tickets are for sale out in the lobby at the Welcome Center. So do those things. How many of you are you are ready to get into God's word this morning? Amen. Amen. All right. This morning, we are continuing our series on Jesus. There are a lot of things to be said about Jesus, right? Um, so the last three messages talked about Jesus, the Savior, Jesus, the baptizer, and Jesus, the healer. Today, we're going to be talking about Jesus, the king, or Jesus is king, as we see up on the screen. And uh, how we're going to start off today is we're going to be, we're going to talk about our story, okay? This is a story that I've worked on, thank you to Genesis, you know, which really helped guide me through this, but this is probably one of my more creative stories here, so yeah. Um, So let me read this to you. Our story actually begins with the creation of a kingdom. This kingdom was not created by man, but by the God of the universe, In a day, the heavens and earth were created. In the next four days, the creator carefully crafted the sun, moon, and stars. He divided the sea and the sky and made dry land, which sprouted vegetation, plants, and trees bearing fruit. The waters in the dry land were filled with living creatures and the sky with birds. The creator saw that it was good, but the kingdom was not yet finished. On the last day of this creation, God created in his image man. And man was to rule over the fish of the sea, uh, over the birds of the sky, and the livestock on the earth. And out of man came woman, and together they ruled this land and lived peacefully in this kingdom. But as we know, right, stories don't usually remain this perfect. They don't, but in every Uh, In every good plot, there is a twist. So one day, our enemy, the serpent, or the, the devil, he came to the woman and he deceived her. There was one tree in this garden, right, that, uh, that Adam and Eve, man, this man and this woman were not allowed to touch, right? God said, you have everything 
everything in this kingdom. You have everything uh, free to touch, free to go. But there's this one tree that I'm going to ask you not to touch. But this is where the serpent comes in and he just, uh, and he tricks this woman. And he says, you know, God told you not to eat of this tree because you're going to die from it, right? But he said, you're not going to die. No, but your eyes will be opened and you will be like God. So man and woman disobeyed the edicts of the kingdom and because God is just, they were banished. Man was separated from the kingdom. But here's the good news. Hope was not lost that day because God had a plan. We, right, humanity, it wasn't just this one specific man and woman who were banished from this kingdom, but it was all of humanity. We would one day return to God's kingdom. So today we're going to look at God's plan to restore humanity to the kingdom of God through Jesus the King. Turn with me in your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 1. And we're going to go through the first four verses today. And you're going to say, four verses? That doesn't seem like a lot, but let me tell you, it's a lot. As you'll see, the book of Hebrews' target audience were Jewish believers. So though the author doesn't say who he's writing to, we know that it's Jewish believers because um, there is so many references to the Old Testament that when you're reading this, the author is saying, when the author mentions this word, he knows that his readers are going to read that and be like, oh, that, he's talking about this passage here. Oh, he's using that word. Oh, he's, using, he's referencing this here. So we're going to do a little bit of digging into the Old Testament today. Um, but the main goal for the author is to show his audience that Jesus is greater than anyone who came before him and that he is worthy of our praise and devotion. He is worthy of our praise and devotion. So let's read verse uh, one and two together this morning. It says this, Long ago at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son. We're going to stop there. So my first point this morning is Jesus, God's word. Jesus, God's word. The story I shared earlier ended with the humanity's banishment from God's kingdom. And throughout the Old Testament scriptures, we see God speaking at many times and in many ways to his people through the prophets. He would speak through people. And sometimes he would show up, you know, even in nature, right, to to speak. He would would speak in so many different ways to different people. And, And this verse mentions the prophets. Now, who are these prophets that he's talking about? You, in our Bibles, we have the major and minor prophets who are like Ezekiel, Jeremiah, Isaiah, Micah, Jonah, all these people. And he's not just talking about them, but he's talking about every person who has received a divine revelation from God. These are the prophets that he's talking about. So a prophet like Abraham for example, who God spoke to Abraham and said, you are going to be a father of many nations. And we see in that story how it didn't seem that way. He became very old and said, Lord, how am I going to be a father of many nations? But God spoke and said, you will be. God spoke to Moses. And when the Israelites came out of Egypt, out of slavery, God spoke to Moses and said, here is the law. Here is what this nation is going to follow 
for as long as they live. This is how it is to, to live according to my, uh, to my law and to my ways. God spoke to David, right, King David in the Bible, who was one of the greatest kings that Israel had ever had. And God spoke to him and said, there is going to be a king that's going to come in your line, out of your family line. But he's going to have an eternal kingdom, right? Not just a, not just a physical kingdom on earth, but he's going to have an eternal kingdom. God spoke at many different times and in many different ways, but he only gave pieces of what was unfolding, right? God has a plan to restore us to his kingdom, And all throughout the Old Testament, he's showing little pieces of what that's going to look like. So you can, now, now that we know Jesus, we can look back to the Old Testament and be like, oh, so he's, this is kind of like a foreshadowing that Jesus is going to do this. Oh, like he's talking about this. Oh, I see, I saw Jesus do that. Jesus fulfilled that. And so on and so forth. The prophets were just, what God spoke to the prophets were fragments of the big picture. But when Jesus comes onto the scene, Thousands of years later, right? He gives the complete story. Jesus, God's word. God, who spoke through prophets and and through these many different ways, centralizes his communication through one person, Jesus. Jesus came to speak about the kingdom of God and to lead humanity to that kingdom. The nation of Israel was looking for a king who would deliver them from the hands of the Roman government and that all things would be restored like it was in the old days, right? So in Jesus's time period, he shows up at a point in history where the the nation of Israel, right, they've kind of had their independence ripped from them, right? They've had, like, man, if you read, they just constantly go through these cycles of disobeying God, and they lose, like, everything. And they're ripped of this independence, like, as a nation, and what they're waiting for, they're, between the Old Testament and the New Testament, from when Jesus shows up, there's 400 years where there's silence. They don't hear anything spoken. Uh, God doesn't speak to them for, for 400 years to any prophet or anything like that. And, and, and these people are just waiting for this king. But what they're waiting for is not what's coming to them. What they're waiting for is someone who's going to come on the scene, who's going to rule, who's going to be this military leader, who's going to take charge and going to rip you know, rip uh, the Roman government of their, you know, rule and reign over them. But that's not what happens. Jesus does not come to rule an earthly kingdom, but he comes to rule an eternal one. So who is this Jesus that we should listen to him? He is God's spokesperson, God's word. And we need to be listening to Jesus through his word, because that is how God is speaking to us today, right? In these last days, right? Let's put up verse two again. And let's read that beginning again in verse two. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by, these, by his son. We are in these last days. As soon as Jesus steps foot onto his earth, that began the, began the era of the last days, We are in these last days. We are in this time period where God speaks to us through Jesus, his son. He's speaking to us today and every day. As you read your word, as you read the Bible, he is speaking. We clearly see the story of our restoration to the kingdom of God through Jesus's ministry here. And as we continue to read this morning, we are going to hear God speak about his son 
So let's listen to God's word. My second point this morning, Jesus, God's heir and agent. The second half of verse two says this, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. So, you know, this, this idea of king, of kings and queens, it, uh, you know, it's embedded in this monarchy, this, this form of government, okay? Uh, so in a traditional monarchy, kingship is passed on to the heir of the present king, okay? The heir to the throne is brought up in politics, is, is trained for the day that the throne comes to him or her, okay? Um, Queen of England. So, yes, yeah, some of you got that. I'm Canadian for some, so I'm going to like reference like American politics, but don't go too into it because all of you can teach me something. Um, but anyways, they were, these heirs were trained for the day that they would receive the throne. They didn't have like a choice and like, well, I want to be an architect. I want to do this. No, you're going to be a king. No, you're going to rule this nation. You're going to do this and you're going to do that. So basically, as soon as they came out of the womb, it was like, hey, your whole life's planned out for you. Hey, this is what you're doing with your life. And that's crazy. But we see here that God appoints Jesus the heir of all things. He's the heir of all things. Here the author is looking at Psalms 2. Okay, and again, I said we were going to do a lot of Old Testament background stuff. So Psalm 2 verse 8 says, Ask of me, this is God speaking, ask of me and I will make the nations your heritage and the ends of the earth your possession. God is talking to his son and tells him that all the nations will be your inheritance and it all belongs to him. No matter what king, no matter what nation may rise up against the Lord and try and take him down or anything like that, They can't win because it all belongs to Christ. God gave everything in Jesus' hand to Jesus. It's his inheritance. Church, let's be reminded this morning that Jesus is the heir of all things and that everything belongs to him. As citizens of the United States, you're accustomed to owning things, right? You own land, you own your vehicle, you own your house, you own money, right? You own et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, okay? We own things, all right? But when you read through the scriptures, you begin to see that everything that we have is a gift from God. He has gifted us with hands to work. He's gifted us with talents to use. He's blessed us with jobs, and he's blessed us with means to provide for our families, to put food on the table, to put clothes on our back. He has blessed us because everything belongs to him. He has given it to you in the first place because he is a good king. He's not a dictator. He does not have malicious intent, but he is good. And the verse continues to explain that that all things belong to him because all things were created through him. Okay, we're gonna read uh, John 1, verse 3, and it says this, all things were made through him and without him, was not anything made that was made. And you almost have to read that like again to like really get it through your head. All things were made through him and without him was not anything made that was made. Everything was made through Christ. The Bible says that Jesus was there from the beginning of time through the creation of the world. 
and Jesus is God's agent in creation. He is the, he's the catalyst for how all things came into being. It's Jesus. We were created through Jesus. The nations were created through Jesus. Everything was created through Jesus. There was, no, there, there was absolutely nothing that has been made that was not created through Jesus. We belong to him. And we sang this morning, it's your breath and our lungs, and I love that. It speaks of, in Genesis, when God creates man out of the dust, and it says that he breathed into man's nostrils and gave him life. And he gives each and every one of, every one of us life. And Jesus wants to bring each of us into his kingdom so that we can live with our creator for eternity. And how incredible is that? Amen. My third point this morning, Jesus, God with us. The author in Hebrews continues, continues to show Jesus' relationship with God the Father. The author stresses this relationship because some Christians in this time rejected Jesus and returned to Judaism. Right? They, were, they had come to the knowledge of Jesus and maybe had started on that path, but you know, they kind of went back to their roots. They were like, no, actually, I don't really believe Jesus is God. I'm going to, you know, go back to Judaism, the old ways, right? But, so the author is showing him how closely related here that, that Jesus and the Father are. And we even hear Jesus himself say it in the Gospels. He says, if you have seen me, you have seen the Father. All right, so verse 3 begins this way. It says, he is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. We see, we see two beautiful word pictures here. And it shows, right, Jesus' relationship to God the Father. And the first one is that Jesus is the radiance of the glory of God. And in biblical literature, the glory often refers to this luminous manifestation of God. Right? It's this bright, it's luminous. It's this bright, luminous uh, manifestation. And we see in, in Exodus, when, when God's giving the law to Moses, I, I spoke about this earlier, but we see that, Moses says to God, God, let me see your face. I want to see your face. And God's reply to him is, if you were to see my face, if you were to look in my eyes, you would surely die because you cannot, you cannot take in my presence. So he makes a deal with Moses. He said, okay. He was like, I'm going to show you, I'm going to pass by the rock and I'm going to show you, you'll be able to see my back. So he goes ahead and does that. And the presence is just so luminous, right? That it makes such an impression on Moses' face that when he comes down from the mountain to talk to the people of Israel, his face is shining, like visibly shining. It's not like some little sparkles here and there. It's shining to the point he had to actually put a veil over his face and cover that. Because imagine... He said the people couldn't even like behold the glory that was on Moses' face. Imagine, isn't that crazy? 
So here it's saying that Jesus is the radiance of that. And it, um, the word translated radiance carries the sense of splendor or intense brightness. So envision with me the sun. Okay, when you look at the sun directly, what do you see kind of like beaming from the sun? It's the sun's rays. Okay, and this is kind of the, the this is like the similarity here. You cannot separate the rays of the sun from the sun. You, like it's impossible for you to separate that. You can't look directly at just the sun, but the sun and the rays are together. It's a package deal, and it's kind of that same. Uh, it's that same thing here. In the same way, are the Father and the Son. You cannot separate the two. But Jesus is the manifestation of the person and presence of God, God with us. The second uh, word picture that we see is that Jesus is the exact imprint of his nature. Okay, um, How many of you know what a signet ring is? Signet ring. Maybe I've heard it. Okay, some of you have. So what a signet ring is, it's kind of like an old thing, but supposedly it's making a comeback now because we like bringing things back. Um, a signet ring has like this, it's usually like a little bigger here, and there would be um, like an emblem on it, or there would be an engraving on your ring that was very unique and special to you as a person. And instead of signatures, what someone would do is that they would pour like wax on a document and that they would just like, you know, kind of stick their signet ring on the document and it would kind of create a seal, right? And so I would be able to do that, right? Like instead of my signature, just put my signet ring down and people would know that's Daniel Foco. That's him. It's the same thing. Jesus is the exact representation just envision that in your mind. Oh, you're getting the exact same thing. The exact representation of God. Isn't that cool? The Son embodies the essential nature of the Father. He's the exact imprint, uh, the exact, exact imprint of who God is. God is revealing himself through his Son. And I find it so amazing because it shows the intentionality that God has with us, that he has towards humanity. He desires to reveal himself to his people. It wasn't like, I'm sending Jesus because I don't, you know, I don't want to go. No, but he's sending Jesus because this is the exact representation. This is the radiance of my glory. I'm going to send Jesus because I want you to see me. And when you see Jesus, you see me. He wants us to know and understand who he is and what he's like through the person of Jesus. Right, so it's so crucial. He's, he's, you know, the author's saying, guys, when you're looking at Christ, you're seeing God the Father. You're seeing the God of the Old Testament. That's who you're seeing. And, right, we were talking about how he's the radiance of God's glory, and we're talking about this idea of God with us. We believe that there is God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Right, not three separate gods, but it's one God, and they all work together in perfect harmony. And it's amazing because when Jesus ascended into heaven, right, he died and he rose again. And we're going to talk about this in, in just a second here. But he died and rose up from the grave. So what, Jesus wasn't physically on earth, but, but God sent his Holy Spirit to come dwell in the heart of each believer. So we carry the presence of God. So there's nothing special about this facility. 
Sure, it, it has sentimental value because maybe we grew up here or we come here every single week, but the building itself does not carry the presence of God, but it's his people, it's his church. God with us. Man, he is so intentional. He is so intentional. You see how, how God is crafting this story, how God is crafting this plan, and it's beautiful. It's so beautiful. And this last part of the verse references Jesus' Jesus's relationship with us. Right, This last part that says, and he upholds the universe by the word of his power. And I've, I read a couple of commentaries and they've all said the same thing. They're like, you might be imagining like Jesus is like the Atlas guy who's like carrying the world on his back, you know? And they're like, yeah. But they're like, no, that's not, that's not what it's saying here. But what this is saying is that Jesus, who's God's agent in creation, is also working in our lives presently. Psalm 33 tells us that God works out his plans among the nations and people. And Proverbs 20 tells us that the Lord directs a person's steps. He leads and guides humanity and creation until that day where he returns. He is working things out from beginning to end. From beginning to end, he is working things out. It wasn't, let's go back to the beginning of time. It wasn't like, create the universe. All right, I'll see you when the world comes to an end. No, but he is actively involved in every step of the way. He's actively involved in your life and in my life, whether you know it or not. And sometimes we're not going to understand reasons and why things happen or why it goes a certain way, but that's where we embrace the mystery of Jesus Christ. That's where we embrace that because we, we're not going to understand. A God who is fully known is not a God at all, but there is mystery to him. And we're going to be learning each other Right? We're going to be, sorry, God, God already knows everything about us. Um, I'm like thinking of my analogy here, but we're going to be learning God throughout all of eternity. That's amazing. And, and think of marriage, for example. You know, it's still fresh for me, but some of you have been married for like 30 years, 40 years, someone in first service, 50 years. It's amazing, you know? And you have way more wisdom than I do, but, but am I right to say that you're still learning your spouse? Yeah. <laughs> Vernon knows. Yeah, there you go. You're still learning, right? You're never going to... We're not going to learn everything about one another, right? But imagine the God of the universe. We're never, we're never going to learn everything about him. But all of eternity, we're going to be learning. How amazing is that? Embrace the mystery. Sometimes we just got to embrace it and rest in it because we know his ways are good and we know that he is with us. Amen? Amen. Let's go to our fourth point today. Jesus, God's sacrifice and exalted one. In the three verses we've looked at this morning, we've learned about the person of Jesus. But the last, the last couple of verses we're going to read here, it talks about the work um, that Christ came to accomplish. So let's read this together. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become as much superior to angels as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. 
Christ came to purify humanity of sin. And sin is what separates humanity from the kingdom of God. We all have sin. No matter how good you are, we all have sin. That's what separates us from the kingdom of God. But it's Christ's sacrifice that brings us into that kingdom. It's what washes over us. And earlier I talked about heirs to the throne and how these heirs don't have a choice in the matter of their responsibility. They don't have a choice in, um, you know, what they're going to do. But that wasn't the case with Jesus. He was not forced to come to this world. He wasn't. It wasn't like, all right, Jesus, here's, here's what you got to do. Sorry. No, but it was his choice to come here. It was his choice to die. That was God's plan. But Jesus... That was his choice. When he's in the Garden of Gethsemane, I'll, I'll never forget this. And I may have mentioned this one of the times that I've preached, and I'm starting to realize that I do that now or I tell the same stories. But, man, I, we were, I was in Israel, and we were at the Garden of Gethsemane, and the, our tour guide there, he is very, very smart person, had very knowledgeable of the land, very knowledgeable about the geography of Israel. And it was really, it was really something. But he said that the Garden of Gethsemane, okay, where Jesus is praying right before the, right before the officers come to take him away. And he's praying, Lord, let this cup pass from me. And, he, and he's praying, he's like, I, I don't want to go through this suffering. He's like, let this cup pass from me. And when we were on that trip, the, the, the tour guide was telling us that Gethsemane is kind of like the exit to Jerusalem. So like if Jesus wanted, Jesus knew something was coming, but if he wanted to, he could have been gone and they wouldn't have found him within the hour. Like they wouldn't have found him. He could have left. But no, Jesus made that choice to stay and to give his life for us, to purify us from our sin. Philippians 2 says that he humbled himself Right, just think about it. The, the God that was there from the very beginning of time. He humbled himself and became flesh. Right, like limited himself to just this body. And not just that. It doesn't say, it doesn't say he, you know, he humbled himself and just became human. No, but it said he humbled himself and became a servant. Where Jesus came to serve, where as you look at Kings, right? They come to be served, right? They come to, they're the king. I come to be served. I come to take whatever I want, you know? Like Emperor's New Groove, Cusco. You're like, you know, I'll wipe your land off your mountaintop and I'm going to make Cusco-topia. Oh, yeah. All right? They take, they take. But Jesus gives and he serves, Jesus gives and he serves. He served humanity to the point of death. And this idea of purification, again, finds itself in the Old Testament. And uh, before Christ, right, what, they needed to, what people needed to do to purify themselves of their sin was that they would have animal sacrifices. Animal sacrifice uh, atoned for one's sin or the, the um, Basically, the animal's sacrifice would pay for one's debt for that year. And once the animal was sacrificed, what the priest would do, he would take the blood and he would go around the temple and he would start to sprinkle the blood around the temple. 
And you might be thinking, right, for us who are like, whoa, that's really weird and that's like, it's pretty gross, right? But it was a symbol that, that sprinkling, it was cleansing the community of their sin, of evil. Because, right, God is just and God is good and he, he can't have anything to do with sin and with evil. And that's why they would do this every year was to cleanse that so that for that year that there would be you know, that, um, that that would, sorry, that that um, evil would just be wiped away so that they can live together, so that, G, that God and his people can live together. The blood represented life. It represented life. Um, so this ritual is done every year, but God spoke in the Old Testament and talked about a king who would come and purify man's sin so that there would be no need for animal sacrifice. Christ, the heir, came to purify us so that we can come clean before God and enter his kingdom. Jesus gave his life, his blood, so that we can be partakers of this kingdom. He is a good king. Three days after his death, Christ rose from the grave, and this verse tells us that he now sits at the right hand of God. And this is so important, and again, this alludes to a passage in the Old Testament. Psalm 110, verse 1, says, The Lord says to my Lord, right, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. God is saying this to his son. Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. The writer of Hebrews is telling his readers that Jesus is the Messiah that was spoken of in scriptures of old. Commentator George Guthrie writes, The concept of the right hand represents either superior power or ultimate honor, through, uh, though it also carries the derivative meanings of greatness or favor. Jesus sits in a place of greatness, honor, and superior power. He is more superior than the angels, and he is more superior than anyone who came before him and anyone who, came, who will come after him. He is superior. And the Bible says that he sits at the right hand of the Father. And what do you think he does? What do you think Jesus does at the right hand of the Father? Do you think he just sits there and watches? He intercedes for you and for me. And I'm going to ask the band to come up at this moment. He intercedes for you and me. He hears your prayers. And he prays for you. He cares for you. He forgives you. And he protects you. All of us. Those who call in the name of Jesus. Those who believe in this Jesus. He intercedes for you. And I love that because that just shows the servant-heartedness of our Lord and Savior. That he didn't come to earth and say, well, my job's done. My job is done. No, but even in heaven, as he sits at the right hand of God, he says, I'm, I'm praying for these. I'm praying for, for my people. I'm praying for these people who are gonna come into the kingdom of God because, right, he wants to see each and every one of us there, right? That's why he came, so that we could be partakers of this kingdom together. Each and every one of us. He cares so much. He is our king. 
this is the story of how Jesus made a way for us to come back into the kingdom of God. Jesus came to bring the kingdom to us and he sacrificed his own life that we can be a part of it. God's plan from the beginning was so intentional and it is impossible for anyone to say that he does not love, that he does not care, and that he is not near. How can we say that after hearing that story? And sometimes we're going to feel, right, like that God doesn't care. Or we don't go based off on our feelings. It's going to feel like God doesn't care sometimes. It's going to feel like we're alone sometimes. It's going to feel that way. But let me tell you, God's word says he's sitting at the right hand of the majesty. And he's interceding. And he's praying. We are so blessed, church. And in a moment, we're going to stand. We're going to sing the song, Great Are You, Lord. We're going to sing the chorus and the bridge. And let our response this morning just be thanksgiving and praise and honor to the one who has given everything, to the one who has brought us back into his kingdom. Let that be our response this morning. And I'm going to invite the prayer teams to come at this moment. And even if you're here, maybe... Maybe you haven't made that decision to follow Christ. Maybe you're, gonna, maybe you're here this morning and you say, I have not had that experience with Christ where, where, I've, where I even knew that there was this kingdom, where I knew that, that there was this sin in my life, right? Because we're, right, it doesn't matter how good you are. We were all at a point where we, we all have sin in our lives. We all have sin in our lives. And God being a just God cannot live with sin so that's why he sent Jesus who washes us who cleanses us who purifies us so that when God looks at you he's seen Jesus's work in your life he's seen Christ's work in your life he's not saying oh look how good he is no he's saying that person acknowledges that Jesus is Lord come into my kingdom if you have not experienced that kingdom this morning And if you want to make that decision, you're going to have an opportunity here this morning. And I want to pray for you. And these prayer teams, again, if you're on a prayer team, you can come forward. But they're here. They're here to pray for you, but even to talk to. Even if you're like, hey, I want this. I want to have this relationship with Jesus, but I don't know where to start. I don't know what that entails. We're here to walk you through it and talk to you. I'm here. Right? The staff is here. Call us. Email us during the week. Whatever. God loves you so much. Church, let's be encouraged this morning. Let's be so encouraged, right, that he has restored us to this kingdom. And and something, when I was praying in first service, this came to me, right? But Jesus came to preach of the kingdom of God and to share that with us. And for us who are a part of his kingdom, we're not just there to hold on to that good news for ourselves, but it always comes, right? We serve God, but we serve people as well. And that's even like the theme for the year, loving God, loving people. Let's not, or serving God, serving people. Let's not forget that, right? But when you leave here, right, we're called as people who are part of the kingdom of God. We're there to call other people. Come be a part of the kingdom. It's for everyone. It's for everyone to be a part of this kingdom. That is our role and responsibility on here on earth. Whether you're in full-time ministry, whether you are working, whether you're in school, our responsibility is to share the kingdom with others. So maybe you have people on your mind this morning that you got to pray for. As we sing here this morning, 
right? Whatever is on your heart, thanksgiving, just sing it out to the Lord. If it's family, friends, or anyone who needs to come to the Lord, needs to be a part of this kingdom, just ask the Lord for boldness that you would speak to them. Ask that God would move upon their hearts. Whatever it is this morning that you're going through, God is near and God is king and he rules and he reigns and everything belongs to him. God is good and we can trust in him. So this morning, would you stand with me? We're going to pray and then we're going to sing. Let's pray this morning.